Football Social Daily. Get ready to play with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Tomorrow is the 2020 Community Shield at Wembley, which traditionally means it's the start of a new season of English football. Arsenal, the FA Cup holders, take on Premier League champions Liverpool. Who will come out on top and does anyone actually care? Can we even go as far to argue, is the Community Shield even really a trophy? We'll be talking about that on today's Football Social Daily. As well as the latest transfer gossip in the Premier League, there is plenty of it. Apparently Everton want James Rodriguez, the out-of-favour Real Madrid star, is apparently on the market for close to £30 million. Spurs are eyeing up Wolves' Matt Doherty and they also might let go Serge Aurier to AC Milan. That's just a few of the things we'll be talking about on today's podcast, as well as Paul Pogba testing positive for COVID-19 and the legend that is Gareth Barry retiring from professional football. My name's Niall. Alongside me on today's podcast, we've got Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Hello. And we've also got Ant McGinley as well. Hi, Ant. I'm a little bit more excited to be here than Marley is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's because you've just revealed before we started recording the podcast that you've got a new book available uh, to your Kindle, which is Newcastle United's Worst Ever Players. And I think it's just invoked some bad memories for Marley. <laughs> yeah, it's got most of this season's team in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll let that one slide. We'll, we'll let that one slide. Marley might be depressed because uh, Martin Dubravka is set to miss the start of the season for Newcastle. He's got a heel injury, but I'm sure we'll talk about all of the upcoming Premier League fixtures in the coming weeks. Uh, of course, as the season starts to begin, the Premier League season, that is, that begins on September the 12th. But traditionally, the football season, Marley, would have begun with the Community Shield. And that actually takes place tomorrow at Wembley Stadium behind closed doors, of course. It seems crazy that we've already rolled around to the traditional start of a new English football season. Um, But the Community Shield is very much, I wouldn't even say that it's got mixed opinion amongst football fans. I think the general opinion is nobody really cares about it. Would you kind of go along those lines and say that even though Manchester City and Manchester United and Sir Alex and all these people have classed it as a trophy before, it's not really a proper trophy, is it? Uh, is it? Is it not? I don't know. Well, how can you? How can it's a glorified friendly, isn't it? But you can only win. You can only win it by qualifying for it, and by qualifying for it, you've got to win a cup or a league. So it's kind of like you know you've got to be in it to win it. And eighteen teams weren't good enough to be in it because they weren't good enough to win the cup, and they weren't weren't good enough to win the league. So it's a it it is a bit of a friendly. I think I think maybe if it happened during the season, we'd treat it more like the Club World Cup, for example. And I know that's got its uh, sort of its haters and, and things like that, but that is generally regard, regarded as a as a trophy, um, and rightly so. But because it happens at the start of the season when everyone's playing preseason friendlies, it kind of gets lumped into it with that, um, and that's probably why you know people tend to not care about it that much. Um, but the reality is, on on Saturday. Would you do you want to watch Liverpool versus Arsenal? And the, most most football fans would say, yeah, of course, of course we would, because we missed the Premier League and we've only, you know, we've only just got done with the Champions League. That's the craziest thing: the fact that six days after the Champions League, everyone's already playing uh, pre-season friendlies and then the uh, the Community Shield. So it's like, you know, you've had six days to catch your breath, and then you're back, you're straight back into the domestic season with with this starting, and then. 
the the proper kickoff is what two weeks two weeks on Saturday, so it's a crazy turnaround. But mm. that's that's the situation the times call for. But I'm I'm happy it's back. You know, I as a football fan as a neutral, I probably will want to watch Liverpool versus Arsenal. I think it'd be a good game. Um, and yeah, fair enough. Maybe I just have bad memories of being beaten by Manchester United on penalties at Wembley in the Community Shield when we were in it. Um, but as a well, Manchester Newcastle have never been in it, so I don't know. I don't know my <laughs> proper feelings until two thousand with the last time we were in it. Um, and you're a Manchester City fan, so you've won plenty of Community Shields over the last couple of seasons. What's the kind of general viewpoint there from a City perspective, considering that you've been in the in the match a few times over the last few years, and you know, especially last season when. The, the team that won four trophies was called the Four Middlebulls and the Community Shield was counted in that, but yet everyone called it a domestic treble and not a quadruple. So um, what's the kind of viewpoint amongst Manchester City fans? Is it a game that normally all the Blues are up for? I don't think we ever actually called it a serious trophy until after Mourinho won it and classed it as a trophy. And then we were like, all right then, hold my beer. Um, I, the thing is, Marley's made a very good point because effectively it is a Super Cup. You know, you do have the winners of the two trophies coming in. And especially this season when you, we've hardly had a, a break either side of it, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I, I Usually I, I like the Community Shield because it is a way to get a, a little preview, a little flavour of what's to come. Um, and it's a safe thing as well. It's a bit like having a free bet because it doesn't matter if you lose. But if you win, you're dead shift. It's, it's just like that. Um so it's a great chance to see the new players that have come through, see if they get their debut, see how they perform, maybe a new combination, maybe a new style of play, just to give you a little a glimpse into what's been going on uh, through the off-season. But this is the, the the strange thing that we're in this situation now, and the, we're going to feel the repercussions for this probably until the middle of next season, really, um, is this break that we've already had, then the short off-season as well. And I think that's going to affect the actual form as well, because... I might be um, going out on a limb here, but uh, I quite fancy Arsenal to win this one. Okay, then on that kind of front where you mention about the fact that managers could try and experiment a few things, and I don't know whether we will see that, but as you mentioned, it is Arsenal, the FA Cup holders, taking on Liverpool, the Premier League champions. And as Marley mentioned just now, it's probably one of the more exciting community shields we've had in recent years because it's how are Liverpool going to come back um, into the swing of things, are they going to have a hangover from winning the Premier League, Marley? And how has Mikel Arteta improved Arsenal because he has gradually improved the Gunners since he took over last December? Uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a nice little test for Arsenal um, early doors, isn't it? I mean, they they sort of there was a clear sign of how how things are improving at Arsenal by the fact that they won the FA Cup last season. Um, you know, their their victory over Man City was probably the best they've played all season, and then they managed to to edge out Chelsea in the final as well. Um and that just proves that Arsenal are on the on the right track. So playing something playing a game so so early against um you know last season's practically unbeatable champions will uh, just stand them in good stead for when the uh, when the season starts because it's like that saying you know <laughs> the one I kept messing up on the podcast a few a few months ago was it steel sharpens steel or something. One of them, um, where the, you know the better team you play, the uh, the more the more you learn and the more sort of used to it you get. So I think it'll I think it'll help them going into the season, and uh, we'll see see if they can get a result because it'll really um, 
reinforce the uh, the positive impact that Mikel Arteta is is having on the uh, on the club. Yeah, definitely. And and from a Liverpool perspective, Ant, obviously they were quite far ahead of Manchester City in terms of points last season in the Premier League. Um, Chelsea have strengthened already through this transfer window and it looks like they're going to sign Thiago Silva as well. You've seen these teams strengthening, Manchester City strengthening too. Um, Liverpool have been in Austria this week in their pre-season camp and Jordan Henderson, the captain, has claimed they haven't talked about retaining the title next season. Do you believe him? Do you think that that's been the case? Jordan Henderson's been saying that they've been asking about how nice each other's holidays were. I'm not 100% convinced that Jurgen Klopp uh, hasn't mentioned the title again. Yeah, I I think as well, we, what we saw with Liverpool as well, we, we saw two very different Liverpools. Up until uh, the break that we had, they were unstoppable, uh, unless you're a Watford fan. Um, they, they steamrolled over almost everybody. But then the Liverpool we saw that came out after the break with the Project Restart kind of stuttered. And uh, there, there was no chance that they weren't going to lift the trophy but they they did very much stumble towards the end and so i think that that could be a result of all sorts of things tiredness obviously um the disruption in the break also the fact that they kind of felt like they'd already done enough as well but i think for somebody like um klopp he you know he, he lives and breathes that club he's been there five five years now more or less and he we've seen a real transformation in liverpool and i think there may be a little bit of PR that's going on there. I think probably, in fact, there's a lot of PR. And I think behind closed doors, there will be a lot of talk because um, for all the greatness of winning their first league after 30 years that we've all heard about once or twice, um, I think also they don't want to be classed as almost like a Leicester City and just, you know, just an anomaly of a season. I think they want to prove, and they were very unlucky to not win it the season before, only missing out by a point. Uh, to Man City so I think they will be desperate to you know put to bed all the all, all the potential criticism that they might get and they will love to build a legacy much in the way that Manchester United did and actually I, I think for that reason this this game even though debatable whether or not you class it as a real trophy or not is really important to, to Liverpool because the last time Liverpool won a domestic trophy you know, we've not really talked about that. It's 2011-2012. Mm, they beat the, Cardiff in the League Cup, I remember yeah. it. It's, it's been a long time. They haven't won the Community Shield since 2006. So, mm. you know, it, it's... So just the, the, there is that thing of, like, yes, they've done really well, and yes, they won the, the Club World Cup, and yes, they won the Champions League, and these are all great things to win, and I applaud them for it. But there are question marks, and given the dominance that they showed in the league last season... You would, you would almost expect them to clean up in those other competitions as well, and so I, I think that there is a lot of PR going on there, and I think behind the closed doors they are, they are really going to go for it. Mm, I think legacy is a really good word that you use there because I think Mikel Arteta will look to build a legacy at Arsenal if not continue that set by Arsene Wenger years ago and of course Liverpool they already kind of have slowly started building their own legacy under Jurgen Klopp who of course will go down in Anfield folklore for what he's achieved at the club already in the sort of five years he's been there um, but obviously when you're at the top you need to stay on the top by improving your squad that's sort of the, how the old saying goes Marley and although Liverpool we know um, are looking to sign Thiago Alcantara from Bayern Munich. They don't seem to be any closer to the 29-year-old than they were when we last spoke about him on the podcast about a week ago. So 
you know, uh, if you were a Liverpool fan, Marley, would you be concerned at, at the kind of the lack of transfer activity at this moment in time? Or would you kind of trust in Jurgen Klopp and the model that they've got there at, at Anfield? Uh, well, we said said a little while ago, didn't we, about how it's hard to sort of add to a squad that's done so well and, and walked the Premier League and, you know, won the Club World Cup and all the rest of it. But the simple fact of the matter is, I think you, you have to, you have to find a way. I think if you, they didn't do much last season um, and they managed to win the league, which was great, obviously. But to sit still too two summers in a row is a, is a big ask to, to sort of stay where you are, to stay on your perch because obviously other teams are going to strengthen and what have you. I know they've signed that the left back but you know a second choice left back isn't really going to you know sort of turn too many heads and, and make you sort of think oh, well, well we're much stronger than we were last season. Um, so I think with, with Thiago the thing that's winding me up about it is it's, it looks such a tap in doesn't it? I mean 30 million quid you see the guy play, he would walk into any Premier League team, including Man City's, including everyone. He'd, he'd get into the Man United team, he'd get into the Arsenal team, everything. He'd just about get ahead of the Longstaffs in Newcastle team, I think. But <laughs> um, he's he's one of them. Like he's just he's a world class player, and he's available for thirty million quid. He's just won the Champions League, having played you know brilliant in the final as as he always does. I don't really know what's taking them so long. Um, ah. You know, Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho, it's a good midfield, but, but Thiago is better than Wijnaldum and he's better than Henderson. I know Henderson's a captain, but when you look at, at Wijnaldum and then you've got Cater as well, I know they've got options there, but when this guy is better than the options you've got and you won't find too many people that, that would say that Thiago isn't as good as them two or them three, then I don't really know what's taking them so long, but... If they get it over the line, I think Wayne Rooney said in uh, recently he's uh, he said that that's a better signing for them than than Messi would be for for City if that went through. So it's clear how how everybody rates him, but it's just I don't know what's going on with the with the deal. I don't know whether Thiago's still on holiday or something like that after his uh, Champions League final exploits and what have you. So. I don't know if it, hopefully they get it over the line because for them it's a massive signing and as a neutral I I just want to see Thiago in the Premier League because he's an absolute Rolls Royce of a footballer. Yeah, he does look like an exciting prospect and although slightly out of Liverpool's usual uh, transfer permutations, being the age that he is at twenty nine, for that price and off of the back of the performances he's shown this season for Bayern and in the Champions League, it does look like a, a really good move for Liverpool. But of course, no closer uh, to landing at Anfield, Thiago Alcantara. At least that's the musings we're getting here uh, at the time of recording this podcast. Maybe things will change by the time the bank holiday weekend has finished. Maybe Ant Aubameyang will have signed a new Arsenal contract by the time we roll around to the next podcast. It looks like the deal for Brazilian defender Gabriel Magalhaes is almost confirmed. So... Could they get kind of a double swoop, a double sign in the Arsenal fans? You know, Aubameyang having a new contract put in front of him and signed, and of course a new defender in Magalhaes. I, I don't think the contract is the problem because you know, no contract is that complicated that it takes this long. It feels like um, he's been negotiating this contract since before he even arrived at the club. It's gone on that long. Um, and I just, they, they can't be trying to squeeze that much more out of it. And so the only thing I can think is that he's holding out for somebody else to come in. That that's the or maybe he's had um, 
he's got his heart set on somewhere and there's the potential that something might happen. That's the only reason. I, I, I can't see that. And obviously, Arsenal have been criticised in the past for maybe not um, being willing to sort of pay what was needed to, to get the players that they wanted. Um, but I, I, I think now, especially with the the fact that they've got a trophy there, they've got European football, they've got a really progressive, exciting new manager in Arteta as well, who's been really keen on, on Aubameyang and supportive. It's it's and there's moves happening in the club as well. You can see that is a club that has been floundering for a little bit, so you can understand well Aubameyang would maybe be a bit frustrated, but they are making all the right noises, all the right moves to be a club that's gonna challenge. But that said would that be enough to keep him there if somebody like a Barcelona or a Bayern or a Man City came along and said, we're interested? Yeah, I mean, Aubameyang, he's just been mustered, hasn't he, since he's arrived at Arsenal? He scored so many goals and, you know, you do wonder how Arsenal would cope without him. And I think it is very much do or die, which is a shame, really, because as good as Mikel Arteta has been since he's come in as Arsenal manager they do still feel heavily reliant on Aubameyang. So Arsenal fans looking forward to a possible prospect of a double piece of news over the bank holiday weekend. Um, Gabriel Magalhaes almost confirmed the Brazilian defender arriving from Lille and Aubameyang could sign a new contract. But of course, it's the Community Shield tomorrow, Liverpool versus Arsenal. We'll keep you updated on the podcast as to who won that and who probably caught the eye as well. Time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. But afterwards, we'll be talking about Paul Pogba testing positive for coronavirus, as well as answering some of your questions football social daily get ready to play with a 100% up to 150 pounds plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com over 18s only terms and conditions apply please play responsibly be football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Every single day of the Premier League season, which starts on September the 12th, you'll be treated to a brand new podcast from us. So hit subscribe and you won't ever miss an episode again. You won't ever miss a moment of the action and a minute of the Premier League's latest news. Of course, whilst it's still pre-season, we'll only be bringing you a handful of podcasts a week, but make sure you do hit that subscribe button so when the season does roll around again, we'll be back to seven days a week and you'll be bang up to date. Right then, time to talk about the latest news coming out of Manchester United, which doesn't involve Harry Maguire. Maguire did give an interview yesterday uh, with BBC Sport and kind of detailing his case as to why he felt um, he was hard done by in Greece. We won't comment on that for the moment, but he certainly showed plenty of emotion in that interview, which you can watch online. The other news coming out of Old Trafford, Marley, is that Paul Pogba has tested positive for coronavirus. Now, cue all the jokes about Pogba being a virus like Jose Mourinho (laughs) called him um, about a year or so ago. This time he's got a real virus. It's coronavirus. It's COVID-19. And it just shows that even these elite players, they aren't immune from this virus. Despite all the precautions, all the health and safety measures, there is a real possibility that these players can still get infected with coronavirus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's still a very real thing. I think the sort of... uh outlook on it lately seems to have sort of dropped a little bit. I think people aren't taking it as seriously as they were two or three months ago. Um, and that's kind of understandable in the fact that you can, you know why people have done it because less people are getting infected and less people are dying than they were two or three months ago, but it's still a, a big number and still a lot of people are, are getting infected by this, um, by this disease and this virus. And 
you know, it's it's still it's still very real, and you know, Pogba's got it. You'd expect him to recover, obviously. Hope hopefully he recovers nice and quickly and gets back to um, gets back to what he's what he's, his preseason training or his, his games or whatever. When whenever he does get over, it, he'll be straight back into the team or whatever. But it's it it just brings it home that he's prob he might I don't know what his personal situation is like. I don't know whether he's been out mixing with people. Clearly, he's caught it from somewhere. So it just it's like a reminder for other other players like you have a responsibility as well to to do your best to not go out and and take chances because it could come back to bite you and and you can infect other people and even though you might have the outlook on it that you know if you you might have the outlook like oh if I get it I'll be all right but it's it's not always about you and it's about other people so if you if you do get it and you you have spread it a little bit because you've been to you know the shopping center or wherever you've been then you've got that responsibility to say right i need to stay in and see as few people as possible because it can spread like as you know like nothing we've ever seen before so hopefully Pogba hasn't been too many places and and um and spread it around but he should be all right and hopefully no one else uh, gets infected off the back of the back of him catching it. Yeah, Pogba's had to withdraw from the France squad due to the virus that he's contracted, which means he will have to self-isolate for 14 days. And, and you know, obviously wishing him the best of health and hoping that nobody else is affected by him catching COVID-19. But it just goes to show that from a logistical point of view, from a football point of view and a managerial point of view, you know, having one of your best players absent for 14 days is probably not the end of the world considering it's still pre-season. But it does show that if players catch this virus during the course of the season, they do risk missing two weeks worth of games. Um, so if they take risks elsewhere, you know, out of the football environment and end up contracting COVID, they are going to end up uh, harming their career or at least harming part of their season to an extent. Yeah, I think I think you're completely right there. It's really interesting to see that during Project Restart, we didn't see any real big name players diagnosed with COVID. Yet, as soon as they've left the football bubble, they've had a few weeks off, um, this has happened. And um, sadly, you probably won't be the, the last one. Um, so in, in a positive way, he could be you know, a poster boy for uh, self-isolation and good behavior. Um, but yes, you're right. It could completely derail the start of the season. Because uh, if you have a couple of players like that that are going to be out for um, a, a few weeks, then do they have the same rules and regulations that we saw that they brought in at the start of Project Restart? I mean, I, I, I've not seen any details on this, so I don't know if they're going to have the same testing regime uh, and bubbles that we saw uh, for Project Restart when we come back for the start of this next season. Um, and... The fact that they've got this time off, it's not a lot of time off, so I, I, I think it's important that they get that, they get that time to have a holiday and be away and spend time with their family. But we're talking about, you know, effectively a couple of hundred twenty-somethings that are really hard to sort of control at the best of time. And and let's be clear about this. Nothing is clear with COVID. For all the stuff that we've heard, for all the announcements and all the ways different countries have had it, nothing is clear even in countries where they've been massively successful uh so one of the other podcasts i do is about south korean football they handled it they started off really badly they got on top of it they were one of the first countries to open up again they kept their football season running they've got their biggest spike ever at the minute it's come back and they're they're struggling to cope with it and so we are 
moving somewhat back towards normality here in the UK, but we're not sure what that's going to be. And yet at the same time, as we're moving back there, sadly, the amount of cases is going up. Again, it's not clear. Is that just because there's more testing, so we're getting more infections? But from a personal point of view with Pogba, like this thing has only been around for well less than a year. And so we still don't know the long-term effects of this thing. And also uh, we've heard stories of the potential of reoccurrence. So there's the potential that somebody's had it once could have it again. And from a, a football and career point of view, that could have a massive impact on the value of a player mm. like Pogba. Because it, effectively that would be like well, potentially, you know, worse than a player that has a recurrent injury with his knees or his ankles. Um, and that could have a massive impact again to um, the market value, as I say, on him, or how mm. the clubs react and how the clubs announce this. So uh, I, I would love for him to make a full recovery and have no further symptoms from this. But I, I think it really does highlight, as Marley said, anybody susceptible to this. I think that's a really interesting point, particularly considering we've seen a lot in the UK media at the moment about how the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, who did contract coronavirus quite early on um, in this pandemic, has been struggling to recover from it. You know, respiritually, he's found it difficult, supposedly. That's what we're led to believe from these reports that have come out. And he's obviously trying to get back to full fitness. And, you know, he's recovered from that at least three or four months ago now. So it just goes to show, you know, that this is a virus that uh, is probably a lot more damaging than it looks. And like you say, it could possibly be more impactful to footballers than the most people do realise. Anyway, Pogba's tested positive for COVID-19. Wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. And hopefully no one else is affected by that. Uh, in Manchester United or indeed the French national team. One player who has decided to hang up his boots though, perhaps not quite at the legendary status as Pogba, although he is a record Premier League appearance maker, is Gareth Barry. Now I don't want to spend too long talking about Gareth Barry because he's just Gareth Barry, isn't it? But um, thoughts on his career, Marley? He's played the most games than anyone in the Premier League. He is the record appearance maker as I've just mentioned. I just want to know whether you think he was underrated as a player because he's played in some good teams over his career. Uh, to be honest, I, when when I knew we were talking about Gareth Barry, I was trying to think of something sort of interesting to say about him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably had, what, is it 653 appearances and probably every single one of them was a, a classic 6.5, 7 out of 10 performance. He was just solid, wasn't he? Like He had that longevity. I think early on in his Aston Villa career, he was, he was kind of similar to like... Steven Gerrard in terms of his he was he was nice like athletically gifted he had loads of uh, you know power and he could get around the midfield brilliantly but he, he reinvented his game towards the end of his career and he become a bit more of a sort of solid midfielder who you know never gave the ball away pretty much always got booked uh, I seem to remember um, but no a hell of a career I think he what was it must have been like 20 years 18 years in the Premier League or something like that so yeah quality player he's been a part of some good sides as well he was one of the the first players Man City bought when they they got the cash because um, he was one of the best players in the Premier League at the time so that proves how how well thought of and I think he's he's very very well respected in the game you know amongst players and what have you and plenty of England caps and everything goes to uh, goes to back that up so yeah he's finally retired I thought, to be honest, I thought he'd retire two years ago, <laughs> but it is what it is. Like he's still a great player, and I don't think that record might not get beaten for a little while. I don't think. 
memories uh, as a Manchester City fan and just similar to what Marley said you know a, a bit of a workhorse mm. and kind of helped that first wave of top quality talent into Manchester City yeah and of course he was part of the team that brought us our that first FA Cup in 30 plus years and also the first uh, Premier League the, the the famous game with Aguero as well he was part of that squad and uh, he was as as Molly said, he was a solid player. One of my favourite stats about him, I think Molly's already mentioned, he holds the record for Premier League yellow cards. Nobody else comes close. Partly down to, I don't think he was a particularly dirty player as such, but uh, just the amount of games that he played, 119 yellow cards. That's it. You could almost you could almost decorate a wall with that many cards. Uh, yeah, he, I remember. Because uh, he came, he came from Villa, and one of the things that I really impressed him was actually because he, he he sort of come through the ranks at Villa, and he got a lot of criticism as players often do when they leave a club. But I remember he um, he wrote a letter to the fans thanking them for the support and put it in the paper, and I really like that. I, I I kind of I like when a player sort of considers the fans, and I think that spoke to me about his character. And then I think the first goal he scored for us was against Man United. So after that, he couldn't do any wrong. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so the the guy, considering the amount that he's played, he, he's, he didn't win that much, actually, because he got the he had the FA Cup, uh, the Premier League, and uh, but his first trophy, do you remember what that was? Not sure. LDV Vans Trophy or something like that. It's got to be. Close. It? it was the European equivalent, the UEFA Intertoto Cup with Aston Villa in 2001. <laughs> yes. Marley loves an Intertoto Cup. What have a bad word said about that competition? <laughs> the Community Shields a trophy. The Intertoto Cup definitely is as well. <laughs> the Intertoto Cup, it's not a trophy, it's a, it's a way of life. It's an institution, Marley would say. Of course, Newcastle, the 2007 or six winners? Six. 2006. 2006. Oh, you could have could have scrubbed this, scrubbed an extra year there, Marley, <laughs> off, of, uh, <laughs> off of it. Um, talking about players with uh, yellow cards, uh, being a Portsmouth fan, we had a player called Jimmy Dickinson back in the 40s and 50s. He played 845 games for Portsmouth. He made 48 England caps. His nickname was Gentleman Jim because he was never ever once booked or sent off wow. in his entire career 845 games and he played as uh, what was called a left half back in the day so like a left midfield player which is a pretty staggering uh, staggering achievement uh, but you know well done to Gareth Barry great career will forever be known as the Premier League's record appearance maker until someone inevitably nicks it off him at some point in the future. Um, But it's definitely worth a mention. Right then, time to answer some of your questions. As you might know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, on Fridays on Football Social Daily, we like to do something Jim Salverson terms as AQA, which stands for All Questions Answered. Now, of course, as the season starts to get uh, closer and closer, and of course, as the transfer window gets uh, into full swing, we've probably been answering less of your questions than usual. But we do have a couple that we've kind of not answered in the last couple of weeks. And there are some good ones. So I'll kick us off uh, and I'll start by uh, asking this question from Baby Nelly. And this one goes to you, Ant. Does the rise of Fantasy Premier League make it easier for people to cheer for players rather than clubs? That's a great question. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think it just makes you have some kind of internal cognitive dissonance and get twisted up inside. Because I think we've all been in that situation where maybe your team's at Arsenal and uh, you've got Aubameyang up front on your fantasy team and he scores against you and you're like... Part of you wants to cheer, especially if you've got him in as a captain, but then you feel dirty inside. Um, I think that is, 
yeah that that is something that's happening it's strange i think it's just maybe it's something that's more difficult for uh those of us that have, have been around a little bit longer um because really the only the only opportunity we would ever get to have that was that the, you know the fantasy games have got much better in recent years um and obviously being able to keep an eye on it when you got out and about with your phone but i remember when the the first fantasy teams came out in the god in the late 90s and it wasn't wasn't that great and it was just more of a a quirky little thing but now there's so much more riding on it there's more um like within your group of friends that you've got your little fantasy league coming on it's really important that you come out and you get the most points that weekend and so it does split your loyalties um yeah god that's a really that, that I'm, I'm twisted up inside just thinking about that yeah certainly i think that it does change the game a little bit um ruben's also asked marley whether he should captain kane son or trent for his fpl team um you know it's difficult to know on the first day of the season who to choose as your captain although i remember last season i nearly triple captain salah because they had norwich liverpool on the first game of the season um and i was thinking oh it's a good way to start triple captain salah and he did score but i bottled it <laughs> in the end um so what do you reckon to ruben's question i mean it's hard to pick a captain but he's sort of put down three names kane son or trent uh out of the three yeah i mean i'd maybe go for kane um I just think if you know if Spurs score, it's likely to involve Harry Kane. Um, obviously, Son's a hell of a goal scorer and and, and gets involved in plenty. But it's I think they've got Everton on the first game, so it's not not the easiest game for them. So maybe maybe I'd maybe wonder who else you've got in the team. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. They've got Leeds at home. Uh, I'm always wary of when a newly promoted side gets in that first sort of five games they're incredibly dangerous and we know how Leeds can play so I wouldn't back against them scoring against Liverpool they might not win the game but I think they'll they've got a half decent chance of scoring so there goes your clean sheet for Trent um so yeah out, out of the three I'd maybe think Kane has the best chance out of all them but we'll uh I'll probably get proved wrong and somebody random four million pound midfielder will come in and steal the game week or something. Remember like John Lundstrom did last year and <laughs> everybody had yeah. Lundstrom in the team except me. And uh, I ended up going slipping down the leagues because of that. But yeah, out there three, I'd probably go for Kane. Um, just because uh, Everton's defence isn't that great, is it? There's always a chance Pickford's mm, going to let yeah. one slip through his tiny little arms. So we'll see uh, <laughs> We'll see if Kane can take advantage of that. Anyway, final question before we go to a quick break. Um, this one comes from Lovey9. Do you think Jose was only hired to do the Amazon documentary and Pochettino will return to Tottenham once the documentary airs? That's a really wow. cool question because, of course, this Amazon documentary um, is kind of being advertised everywhere at the moment. Tottenham Hotspur... Obviously, I've got the, the documentary on Amazon where Josie Mourinho is heavily featured and supposedly comes across quite well in it, which kind of dispels a few myths about grumpy Jose. But Lovey9, the question there, think uh, they think that perhaps Pochettino might be returning once the documentary comes out. Wow. I mean, that would be the ultimate twist. I mean, because obviously the, we know that the documentary isn't out yet. And so they may be holding off that last episode for that massive cliffhanger, which would be, <laughs> you know, the, the marketing man's dream about <laughs> that. Uh I, I think it comes down to a very simple thing. How much Amazon paid to, to make that documentary, how much they paid to get in there and have that access to it all. Um, it's 10 million, apparently. 
Wow. Well, well, in that case, you know, probably anything that they want. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, th- I think the, I mean, I've seen a couple of these these series now, because obviously they made it about Manchester City, but previously the, the very first one I saw was they did about uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And the actual production team behind that, the, the method, that the way they do it, the way they put it all together, it's a great piece of television, especially, you know, e- even if you don't like sport, I remember watching it with my girlfriend at the time who had no interest, but... We became massive uh, Arizona Cardinals fans after that first season of it. Um, there is an element of it being um, made out as an entertainment project product, but then that's what football has become. You know, it, it's become an entertainment product, and stuff happens, and we see things. I mean, thankfully, we've only seen the likes of John Terry's uh, standing ovation on the twenty sixth minute. Those kinds of things being like a, a, a one off at the moment, but we are in danger of moving to that world where things are being done with with one eye on what's going to look good on camera rather than about what's going to be really good on the field yeah definitely i'm excited to watch the tottenham documentary uh, as well when that airs right time for a quick break here on football social daily and afterwards we'll be going through the latest top flight transfer gossip football social daily Get ready to play with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. I'm Niall. I've got Ant Amali with me on today's podcast and time to talk through the latest top flight transfer gossip. And the big news uh, from the Daily Star yesterday, Marley, was that Everton are after Real Madrid midfielder James Rodriguez for £27 million, if that report is to be believed. It's said that Carlo Ancelotti is a key factor in trying to lure James to Goodison Park. Uh, Zinedine Zidane, the Real Madrid manager, doesn't fancy Hames and didn't from day one when he first rocked up uh, as the manager at the Bernabeu. who sent him on a two-year loan spell to Bayern Munich. Now it's said that he is willing to sell him. 27 million seems a good price um, for a player who in the 2014 World Cup was the star of the show. Well, if, if, tell you what, if the Daily Star are reporting it, it must be true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it isn't the most uh, fabricated story. I think obviously Hames wants to leave. Um, I think well, he wants to leave, but more than that, Zidane doesn't just doesn't want him around, does he at all? Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the type of player that you can attract or you can at least fish for in the in the in the market when you've got Carlo Ancelotti as your manager. He brings with him all that experience. He's worked with with Rodriguez before, um, so all of a sudden, like you know, a year ago, you'd say what Rodriguez to Everton like I very much doubt he's got posters of Finch Farm on his uh, on his mansion in uh, in Colombia and <laughs> Spain and all the rest of it but he's um he's probably seriously considering this if if there is truth in this which I I would think there would be uh, Ancelotti will will fancy getting Rodriguez over to to Everton and <laughs> give them some quality that they that they need but he's got a shrine to Tony Hibbert in his house <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, rumour has it he grew up. He's so good at dribbling because he used to practice because uh, he didn't want to get kicked down by Tony Hibbert if he ever made it to the Premier League. I've heard that his ringtone is Zed Cars. Oh, Zed Cars. I hate that bloody... Sh- I'm so glad Watford went down because it's one less team that play Zed Cars when they come out of the uh, tunnel at the start of the, start of the game. Um, but no, I mean, Rodrigo, it'd be a hell of a signing, wouldn't it? I mean, 
as a as a statement of intent. I think Everton have won the they're one of them teams that win the transfer market every year and never do anything with it. Um, so we'll we'll see if they can do it again. It's about if by law of averages, if you keep signing players, some of them will will turn <laughs> up good. Um, so maybe if they sign Rodriguez, they can actually push on to where they want to be and and make a, a serious assault for that mm. top uh, top six or seven. Mm. So. We'll see if it gets over the line, but I do think there's a bit of truth in that. Yeah, I think there's still a long way to go, though. But Everton, after James Rodriguez, say the Daily Star. Now, this is uh, a transfer story which kind of rolls all into one. Wolves defender Matt Doherty is supposedly joining Spurs. He's in advanced talks with the club. That's for an undisclosed fee. Comes from various sources. Uh, And also moving his way out of Tottenham is uh, Serge Aurier, who's said to be joining AC Milan. That comes from the ever-reliable Fabrizio Romano on Twitter. Um, So despite Doherty coming in and Aurier making way, that's like for like. That's one change for one change, Ant. And it still leaves Spurs quite light at the back, particularly in the fullback positions. We identified this on the last podcast, considering they've sold Kyle Walker-Peters to Southampton. Aurier's Mm. on his way out. It does feel that Spurs, even though they are making some signings, they need to really kind of strengthen a little bit more. Yeah, you wonder who's doing the accounts a little bit because um, you know it wasn't so long ago they had stacked amount of uh, of uh, right backs there, and obviously they've seen in the last couple of seasons going back, you've Cal Walker gone to Man City, Kieran Trippier going over to Madrid, uh, Cal Walker beat us now at Southampton, and it's almost like they forgot to put the you know like when you're buying something online, it says three remaining, two remaining, one remaining. It's like they've just kept selling them and then gone, oh no, we're out of stock. Um, I think um, I think Doherty, it would be it's an interesting move for him actually if if that does happen. Um, although you, you can understand that he's, he's I, can, I don't think there could be any complaints from Spur, from Wolverhampton fans because ten seasons he's he's Wolves through and through. He's given a lot to them. I think three hundred plus appearances he's got now. Um, Tends to pop up with one goal a season as well, which is you know all right. Um, but you know maybe he's just at a point where he's gone well. I fancy something different. Maybe Spurs are offering more money. I'm not sure what it is. Um, as for Aurea, I mean, that since he's, since he's come to Spurs, it, it just seems to have been like the butt of a lot of criticism constantly. Only Do you once know what it's felt like to me, yeah. and It's felt like from about six months into his Spurs career, he's wanted to leave the club. He's done some weird stuff, just some random two-footed tackles, and it's almost like he's tried to get himself sent off at times, um, breaking lockdown rules Mm. explicitly and kind of not caring about it. It almost feels like he is quite difficult to manage. Yeah, but considering that, he's managed to stick it out quite a long time. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I don't think we've really seen... Uh, the player it was PSG was that before wasn't it that when he came to Spurs I don't think we've quite seen uh, the contributions that he was he was putting there in terms of like his assists and crosses and putting in um, yeah that there have been question marks over it um, I, of the Spurs fans that I know I don't know any of them that have you know sang his praises or gone out and got the shirt with his name on the back of it and of course like he's per- had some personal tragedy earlier this year as well so you know in a sense that move would make so much sense it's a fresh start for him it would give him an opportunity to to go elsewhere and 
yeah it's it's just not worked yeah the the thing that's um, surprised me most is that he keeps getting picked so yeah it, it, it makes sense to me well Spurs could be rid of Aurier soon he's supposedly joining AC Milan says Fabrizio Romano and several sources suggesting that Matt Doherty is joining Spurs from Wolves by the time that this podcast airs they might have even secured his signature who knows this is one I wanted to ask you Marley just finally before we finish today's podcast Celtic got knocked out by Hungarian heavyweights Ferenc Varos uh, in the Champions League qualifiers a couple of days ago so no Champions League for Celtic of course at the moment they are the dominant team in Scotland they're going for their 10th Scottish Premiership title in a row this season and they'll want to hold on to some of their best players like Odson Edward Olivier and Cham and Tom Rogic they're just three players that I can think of uh, off the top of my head that have performed consistently north of the border and possibly could fancy a shot in the Premier League now with the transfer market as erratic as it is at the moment is there good value to be had from some of those players at Celtic there is or you would assume there would be I think the thing that always puts players off uh, clubs off about players in Scotland is um, there's no guarantee they can do it in uh, in a better league in, in the Premier League kind of thing so Having said that, though, Odson Edward is the premium target for for that team. Like any, there's so many Premier League clubs that need strikers, and Edward scoring for fun in in Scotland. Which okay, you might say it's not that hard to do, but you know what? What else can he do? Um, I think he's 22. He's big. He's fast. He can hold the ball up. He can run in behind. I think he's got everything. So all of a sudden, with with Celtic not in the Champions League. The season's practically like it's it's almost over before it's begun, really, because yeah, they're gonna they're gonna challenge for the title, probably make it ten in a row. Um, Rangers will challenge them, but I mean, still, like it's it's not exactly a something that you'd you'd say, oh, I need to stay and make sure they uh, they win the title because it's all about European football when when French fellas turn in turn up into. In a parkhead at at, uh, at Celtic Park, they don't they don't say, oh, you know, I just want to make it ten in a row. They say I want to play in the Champions League. It's as simple as that, and it's it's the same for a lot of clubs, um, but especially for Celtic, they need that European football to to keep hold of the top players. And I'd be surprised if if Edward stays um, in the uh, in the upcoming season before before the window shuts, because as I said, I mean, I'd absolutely love Newcastle to sign Edward. It's it's such a tap in. I think um, the things he he would bring. I think a fee twenty five thirty million quid will probably get him. I think there's some some reports of Celtic wanting forty, but they're, they're dreaming if they if they're going to get forty million for for someone like that. When you think of um, Moussa Dembélé leaving for Leon, I think he went for twenty five million. So a fee around that for Edward would probably be about right. Um, and I think there are so many teams that could that could use him. I think Spurs need a backup striker. They could go and get him. Uh, Crystal Palace need a striker. Newcastle need a striker. There's a lot of teams out there that where he would be where he could be a good fit. And I hope somebody takes him because um, he does he does look a top player. Um, but we'll see if any we'll see how much the price puts people off because I think that's the only thing stopping uh, stopping teams coming in and taking him because Celtic will be tough negotiators because obviously they don't want to lose him but I think it's unfair on him to to expect a 21 year old from Paris to to sort of spend longer than necessary at a club like Celtic where 
success is virtually guaranteed domestically um, mm. and success is very, very far away in terms of the Champions League. Even if they got into the Champions League, they go out in the group stage, we all know it. Mm. So it's it's one of them, but like, you can't realistically sort of hold him hostage and make him play for Celtic, you know, away at Kilmarnock and Motherwell. He's, he's not what he, he grows up to uh, dreaming of kind of thing, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Let, let let him go to the Premier League if there's someone interested. Get a good fee and reinvest it as you've done for years previously. Let's let's just do it again. Yeah, play alongside quality players or play alongside Scott Brown. I think I know what I'd be picking if I had the choice between the two. <laughs> anyway, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Cheers, Marley. Thank you. Cheers, Ant. Thanks very much. Don't forget to hit subscribe to the podcast, then that way you won't ever miss another episode again. As soon as we release a new one, you'll be notified straight away. No podcast on Monday, unfortunately, as it's what's called a bank holiday here in the UK, which means we all get the day off. Well, hey, happy days. But we will be back, of course, on Wednesday with another podcast and again on Friday, three podcasts a week uh, until the Premier League season starts again on the 12th of September. Then we'll be back into the full flow of things. Don't forget to visit our brand new website, sport-social.co.uk for all the latest Premier League updates. There's loads of transfer news on there as well so sport-social.co.uk don't forget to follow us on social media as well at the sports social uh, on twitter and we're also on facebook and instagram so do a little search and give us a follow but that's it for now and we'll speak to you on the next podcast football social daily get ready to play with a 100 up to 150 pounds plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com over 18s only terms and conditions apply please play responsibly be gamble aware.org